Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.
Amen, amen. Bless your name. Thank you, God. Glory to you, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for opening our eyes this morning, Lord Father, that we may get yet one more chance, Lord God, to praise your name, Lord Father, to 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 to, to praise you and your son, Jesus Christ, Lord God, to give you ourselves, Lord Father, that we may be reconciled back to you. One more chance to show our love, Lord God, the fruit that you bear uh, in us, Lord Father, that other people may partake in the same fruit. One more chance, Lord God, for us not to be selfish, Lord God. One more chance, Lord Father, for us to love outside of ourselves. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who loved outside of himself. He loved outside of himself to the point that we benefit from the price that he paid for our life. Father, we thank you for being our God, and we accept being your people. Father, forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we only look at ourselves and our needs and our emotions and justify the reasons why we act the way we act, even though that's no justification or any reason for us to be that way. Father, we we ask that you forgive us, Lord God, because sometimes we don't care about anybody else but ourselves. And we know that one day we will be judged for that. But we ask that you forgive us, Lord God, and change our heart and our mind that we may truly partake in the glory that Jesus Christ partook in. Father, we know we can only change this about ourselves through you. We know that the only uh, options that we have to change is understanding you greater and understanding ourselves less. Father, the only way that we realize that we can change, Lord God, is because we see those around us are affected by the way we act and the way we feel. Father, we expect the world to line up and, and according to our actions, Lord God to what we feel we need and what we say we need, Lord God. Father, we ask that your word be crisp and clear, that we may understand it fully, that our lives may benefit from the hearing of your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the faith that you have given us. Father, we bless you and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, Lord Father, that paid the price for us. And is seated at the right hand of the Father. Father, we honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. You know, I was thinking about how if one of our family members got into a car accident or any a physical altercation with their spouse or something like that, the first thing that we do, we get emotional, or we run to the scene headstrong only about one objective, and that's the way we really feel. The concern, of course, is for that person, but, but our, our post-personal and our emotions are all caught up in it, so we're angry at one side of the story. Well, we don't even know the whole truth about the story. We get upset at sometimes that our family members, our friends, our spouses, only knowing one side of the story, never knowing the other side of the story. Well, how many times do we get uh, an attitude because someone doesn't do what we want to do or see us for how great we believe that we really are? And we reach out and go go after these people like, like we're God Almighty and we want the praises for ourselves. And that we live so that other people can praise us. Or we have unrealistic expectations about people, about the things that we do for people. And we expect them to have these same expectations. That doesn't give us a real clear picture of the truth. It only gives us a picture of the truth that we believe we're supposed to have. How many times, how many of us have been in a situation where our parents have done something the same way for so long, but when you got older, you realized that that was nothing more than a tradition within your family, and it was wrong? Or do we hold on to traditions in our family despite 
that they may be wrong. That we start to 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 accept things and look for things that only support our belief. We don't want to hear the truth. We don't want anything to do with the truth because the truth will make us uncomfortable. That we might start to see the little things that that that's really quirky about ourselves. We may start to see that we're not as 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 bad and as 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 up there as as, as we believe that we are. So we portray it outward. In order for us to keep the same image that we have, we apply all these personal expectations. But applying personal expectations, emotions, agenda, uh, tradition, and understanding to truth is not and will not ever give us an understanding about what really is true and really what is true about God. In Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, it all it talks about, it says, What is a man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. So, so the text is that God is saying that he made man a little lower than the angels. The truth is man is not equal even to the angels. But yet we have this perception that we're equal with God. We have this perception that we're little gods. We have this perception that that for us to have faith, that means that we have faith in something that we're not, and that's false faith. That's false faith. We have people that teach that you're little G's here on the earth. You're little G's. You're little. You're not little G's. Because that would mean that the only thing that you're not equal to God is because you're not creating yourself. But but some people are big G's because they, they feel that the buck stops with them, that everything rests with what they say and what they do, that they, in fact, created their own existence. They created everything that they have. So why should they believe in God when they feel that they did it all for themselves? Except when they get into trouble. Except when they get into trouble, they're willing to call on God. But they're not willing to lift a finger otherwise to help anybody else, even if that person may be in need or not. Because they feel that that person can do it for themselves. Because after all, we did it for ourselves. In Isaiah chapter, uh, let me tell you where that's coming from first. Let me tell you where that's coming from. In Psalms chapter 82, Psalms chapter 82, and in John, uh, um, Psalms chapter 82, it starts off, and it says, a psalm of Ezepath, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. How long will we judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Shazaleah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver to the poor and needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. That they not know, neither will they understand. They walk on the darkness, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like the ones of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Then verse 6, it says, that ye are gods. I have said that ye are gods. So, of course, people look at the scripture and say, hey, that, that, that God is saying that we are gods. That means that we must be little gods. Well, that's not what he's talking about here. If you start to look at the scriptures and you start to look at the verses, even starting as, as verse 2, um, and verse 1, he says, judgeth among the gods. It says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the person of the wicked, defending the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked? It's exactly right. It's talking about a judge. And why is that? Because the judge is the one that sits on the bench that has power over life and death. 
Oh, you got to see where I'm coming from. See, see, think about a judge. A judge sits on a bench, and people bring these cases before the judge. And the judge sits there, and the judge can sentence a person to die. So, so, so what it's talking about here is a judge. Jesus, in fact, said to the uh, scribes and Pharisees, he said, isn't it written that you call yourself gods? It's not talking about your, your character or, or who you're supposed to be. That scripture is talking about the judge and how they don't judge justly, how they're going to be judged themselves, how they're still going to die like a man no matter who they think they are. The text says that God is the most high. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 11, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that uh, executed my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. There is nothing like me. There is nothing like me. See, but we don't accept the fact that we are not gods and we are men, we lack that, that, that truth, that, that, that essential truth that we need to know that keeps us bound. Because think about this. I've always said this, and I know there are a lot of people that may not take it um, when I say it this way about us not being gods. If we're gods, what will we need God for? If we're equal to God, like most people preach, and I, I hear it preaching all the time. You, you click on the television, somebody's talking about how we're a little G and we're little gods and we can call all these things. I, 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 I see that and I know that it's blasphemy. I know that it is. Not because I just believe it and not because I, I, I just think about it. No, because I know that it is. And once I started to accept, like the Bible says, we shouldn't think more highly than we ought to think about ourselves. You, 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 you ain't all that in the bag of chips that you're considering yourself before you're considering somebody else. And when you consider yourself more than somebody else, the Bible says you already have your reward. You already have your reward. But it's in that lack of acceptance of that truth that keeps us from experiencing the fullness of God and the truth about Jesus, his message, and why he came. A full understanding of God is not something we should expect to have, nor the belief that just because we will one day, I said one day, partake in the glory of God, that makes us equals. Jesus said, it said uh, Jesus thought it not uh, a blasphemy to consider himself equal with God. Why is that? Because Jesus was God. Jesus could do the same things that God can do. Jesus did the same things that God did. What does that even mean? that he did the same things that God did. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus was able to create things with just a word. Jesus was able to, to, to raise himself from the dead. Jesus was a deity. Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal in God, but instead to have the mind of Christ when he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, becoming a servant to everybody. Talking about Jesus. See, but if we, if we in fact believe that we're God, then there's certain things that we should be able to do just like God. Well, well we, we're God just a little bit lower. But the Bible tells us that we're even lower than that. We're lower than the angels. We're lower than the angels 
So how can we believe that just because we are created in the image and likeness of God, that that makes us equal with God or even equal with Christ? We're little gods is what we call ourselves. But that will make us able. That will make us able to do a lot of things. That means that we wouldn't need God because we can create things from nothing. We can create things from just just because we say it. It means that it's supposed to happen. Now, I know although we believe that, because some of us run our households like that. And I know that we do have a purpose and a place and even a position that we're supposed to serve. But that doesn't mean that the sun sets and rises on us. That doesn't mean that. Because are we equal in resurrection or do we need help resurrecting? Are we equal in judgment, equal in honor, equal in self-existence, equal in works, equal in knowing? The Bible says that we're not. So since we're not, how does that make us equals? 1 John 3, 1-4. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are the sons of God, and it doeth not appear what we shall be, but we shall know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that have this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. It says for us to even see what he's like, he has to come back. And when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Why is that? Because we were created in the image of God, which means there are certain things spiritually that we are supposed to connect with. That means that shows us that we're in the image of God. That does not mean that we're just like God. It means that in his image we are created. That means since we create, he created us in his image, that means his image is supposed to have some fruit or resemblance to him. It doesn't mean that it is. Take a picture of yourself, flip it around on the phone and look at it. Now, is that you or is that a picture of you? Oh, this is good already. See, trying to understand God through our emotions and flesh gives us an unrealistic expectation about God. It gives us an unrealistic expectations about ourselves, and it gives us an unrealistic expectation about his purpose for our lives. See, all of these limits, all of these limits in our thinking has us trying to live up to the expectation of our emotions and our feelings rather than looking into and accepting the truth about being created in the image of God. But because we, we, we have these personal problems, we have these narcissistic views about ourselves that we're higher and everything belongs to us and we're supposed to always have the best and we're never supposed to go through anything and everybody's supposed to look up to us and we're supposed to be at the head of the table and we're supposed to, people supposed to see us walking on water and every time I go somewhere I'm royalty so people need to start kissing me and, and worshiping me and praising me. Well, that's not being created in the image of God. That's being created in the image of the one who told you that lie. And since the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies, when you love praise, when you love to hear your name being called, when you love to be recognized 
is narcissistic. And that narcissistic view came from the one who wanted all the praises for himself. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. See, being created in the image of God does not make us God or little gods. If that were the case, we would be equal to God and able to speak things into existence. Now, we had this conversation before. This conversation that we had before was this. Speaking something into existence is not to be confused with the power of positive thinking. Now, the power of positive thinking has a profound uh, aspect on your life. It's it definitely uh, good to speak positive about situations. But speaking positive about situations is different than calling something from existence. See, speaking life into a situation, that means things can and will change is not the same thing. It's not the same thing as it means to call something into existence. Let me give you an example. If I tell myself in the morning, today will be a good day. Today will be a good day. That means regardless of what happens, I'm still looking forward to this day being a good day. But that doesn't mean I created the day. That doesn't mean I'm trying to, 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 to create something from nothing. I'm just trying to use what God gave me to, to move the act. See, you got to see what these texts really mean. I'm just using what God gave me to move the situation around, to make the situation feel the way God feels about me. It's not to be confused with the power of positive thinking. You can't call anything into existence. Let me give you the scripture. Romans 14 and 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quicketh the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are. Now, we have made a, 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 a hallelujah Sunday service about calling those things that be not as though they are. But what we have done was taught ourselves to lie about a situation and expect. There's something to come out good out of it. But that's not the case. When we lie about the situation and we expect something unrealistically and it doesn't line up, our subconscious tells us God ain't real. It tells us my prayer life ain't working. It tells us that we need a little more faith. It tells us I don't believe in miracles. It tells us I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus because I prayed through this situation and my family member still died. I laid hands on this man and the person's still sick. I, I preached to the poor and they're still poor. I, I, I touched my own body and I'm still not healed. It has us not believe in God. Now, we don't intentionally say that, but, but when you pray for, for the Lord to bless you, to help you pay your light bill, and you, 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 your, your lights get turned off, somehow a little less hope goes out of you because you believe that you're a Christian and you know that you love God. And, Lord, I prayed to you and told you that, that I need this light bill money, and I prayed and told you, Lord, that I need a new job. Or, Lord, I prayed and told you that my child need to be saved. Or, Lord, I prayed and told you I need a husband. Or, Lord, I prayed and told you I need a wife. I prayed and told you that I need some money. Uh, I prayed and told you. But when it didn't happen, the enemy sat back and watched your spirit drop just a little bit. See, but that text 
is telling us that Abraham believed God. He didn't expect God to do anything. He just believed God. That would mean that Abraham, as well as us, can feel that we have done something, we have done a little bit of something to deserve what God gives us. And the truth of the matter is, we haven't done anything to deserve what God has given us. We can't do enough to for God to, to feel that we should deserve what he had. But what all that's doing is producing an expectation that God owes us something for our work. That God owes us something, Lord. Look what I'm doing. I, I'm giving money to my friends. Look what I'm doing. I'm giving money to my neighbors. Look what I'm doing. I'm donating to charity. Look what I'm doing. I'm buying these things for people that I don't even know. Look what I'm doing. Lord, somehow you're supposed to bless me. Why is there not any peace in my life? Why is there not any joy in my life? Why, when I send you my prayers, you're not answering them? I'm doing something for you, God. Well, that's the mistake. That's where you're wrong. You're not doing something for God. You're, you're doing something for you. You're doing something for you. You're only doing it so you can get the glory of saying, look what I've done. But the whole time you're losing your soul, you're dying on the inside. Try doing something and don't expect a return. Oh, this is good stuff. Try doing something without expecting the praise. Try doing something and expect you to double your money. Try doing something for somebody and, and don't expect to get appreciated. Try doing something for somebody and don't expect them to tell everybody else about you. You just do it and let the fruit of your doing tell them about God. See, but there are those, there are a whole bunch of people that oppose an argument, and they'll say that if you work, if you work, you should be expected to be paid. Well, that's the whole argument. True, you're supposed to expect to get paid for the work that you're doing, but that's in the natural sense. In a spiritual in a spiritual context or spiritual aspect, the work is not done. In Luke chapter 17, I love this. Because this shows two things, and I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this. Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 10. I'm sorry, 5 through 10. It says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say to the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you having a servant, here we go, here we go, which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to, unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet, and I will not, and I will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith that I may sup and gird thyself and serve me. Till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards that you shall eat and drink. Do he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I throw not. So likewise, ye when, likewise, ye when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Let me translate that a little bit. What he's saying is, if you had a servant, would you not have the servant do the job that you required them to do? But if you have a servant that comes to you and expect to get paid before the work is done, what good is that servant? What good is that servant? So, so in the ministry, we have ministers that have set themselves up to believe that because they're ministering, they should expect. 
expect a payment. Y'all not hearing me right now. They should expect a payment or a return for the work that they're doing and Jesus have not yet come. That means that there is still work to do, but your hand is out waiting to get paid. That means you are just a person with a job. That means you are not a servant because you don't expect anything when you're a servant. You're a servant because that's what you're supposed to do. See, but your emotions get all caught up in that. You, you, you feel a little more high and mighty. Um, wait a minute, man, that ain't true because, see, because I'm doing the work and, and I'm supposed to expect. That's why we take that, con- that, 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 that scripture out of context. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you, and God's going to pour you out a blessing. See, that's why we got that all twisted up and mixed up because we, we, we living on expectation. Oh, God said, the Bible said, God's going to pour me out a blessing that I'm not going to have room enough to receive. Oh, give me the blessing. Give me the blessing. Take the blessings and take the praise because you're not a servant. Oh, this is good stuff. You should see what I see right now. See, emotions will never paint you or give you a clear picture of what we really want or even what we really need. It'll never happen. But what they will do is justify why you desire the thing you're desiring based on how you feel. Emotions are only going to produce more emotions. Emotions are going to produce more emotions. So when you feel that you're all that in a bag of chips, you're going to do things to justify or make you feel... Make you feel That you deserve it Because the truth is There's something about you That you're not satisfied with There's some connection in you That's broken There's something missing in your Your spark plugs That's not con- It's not just connecting you To the, 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 the truth about God The truth about Jesus Christ The truth about his message And the truth about you There's a disconnect somewhere Romans chapter 4 18 Who against hope Believed in hope That he might become the father of many nations According to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither did the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He believed God. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that when he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham believed God that what God said about him, he was able to do. Not because he expected God to do something, but he knew that he believed in God. If God said it about you, that means I can do it. Oh, this is good. We're almost done, but this is good. Give me, give me a little more, a little more. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was also raised again for our justification. Our justification should be in the belief that God is God. It is not an expectation that God should do anything. It's a belief 
and knowing that God is because he's God. I'm not equal to God. I don't understand God. So God is going to do exactly what God wants to do. I understand that I was created for God's benefit and not the other way around. I understand that the expectation should be from, from me to God. I'm sorry, from God to me, not from me to God. Even when we feel satisfied, when we get all the praise and everybody's hollering our name, you know, everybody's calling us, and even when we feel satisfied, if we get what we want and we believe this what we need, it still may leave us short for what's best for us. See, we put these blinders on, and these blinders, they, they keep us from seeing what's already been written about you. Don't expect an expectation, just know what God said about you. If God gave you faith, believe that you can get through any situation. If God said, put Paul was in prison when he said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me, believe that you can do all things through Christ that strengthen you. That means despite the situation that you're in, despite what outcome comes out, that you're still enduring to the end. And you're still enduring because God has given you everything you need from the word go. The Bible says that he's given us everything for life and godliness. I shouldn't expect anything from him. Because if, he, if I expect something from God, that means God owes me something. And God doesn't owe us a thing. See, that puts us in a holding pattern of expectation. Now I'm only doing things because I expect something to come back. When praises come up, blessings come down. So now I'm only praising so blessings can fall my way. I'm only giving so money can fall my way. I'm only doing these things so I can get something out of it. 1 Corinthians 10 and 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There are some things that may be lawful for me to want. That don't mean it may be expedient for me to want it. The truth is, man was made to reflect certain aspects of the image of an invisible God. Ain't that what the Bible says? He's an invisible God. So that means love. Justice, truth, holiness, morality, mercy, knowledge, righteousness are all invisible things that reflect the invisible God. But those invisible things are real because they manifest in our life. That doesn't mean that those, I can see them, but that means I can see the fruit of them. You got to hear what I'm saying. Man is not divine, and neither will we ever be divine. We're not omnipresent. We're not omniscient and omnipotent. We're not omnipotent. We're not none of those things. Always expecting God to do something bigger and better than what he has already done based on our feelings is narcissistic attitude. It's only serving God for what we can get. Expecting God to perform or live up to our expectations of him rather than realize that his expectations are for us and not the other way around is carnal thinking. This type of thinking destroys people. This type of strict thinking has many people believing that they're doing something wrong when they pray, that they lack the faith that they pray. Oh, I must not really know God the way I believe I do because nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. See, that type of teaching separates and segregates people, having many people believing that they've been trapped, that other people have been tapped, and we've been trapped, that other people have been, been, been they, they found a hidden message or a hidden secret, and then there are those of us that can't find anything and must be doing something wrong, and then we, we tapped into this hidden message of faith, this, this hidden personal message 
that gives us an expectation because I am where I am and I have what I have means that I found God in a way that you haven't found God yet. So I can expect God to do great things in my life. Come on now. How many times have you heard somebody say you should expect God to do great things in your life? It's an expectation of gain. Now, you can say I expect God to use me in powerful ways. I expect God to to take my life and do with what he wants. And I know the outcome is going to be great because God is at the helm. But think about that. I expect God to do great things in my life, for my life, for me. That's why people and ministers would nitpick scriptures. They would nitpick scriptures, and their message would only pertain to them getting something. Well, I suppose to be honored, the Bible says double honor is supposed to go to the man of God, or you're supposed to give to the man of God, and it's all about us. It's all about us. Not knowing that the letters were written, these were letters that were written by the ministers because they were in need. If they, they need something, they ask for something. But sometimes you know that a person may need something and don't ask for it. That don't mean that you don't have an obligation to help that person. Because if you know that they're in need and you're able to meet that need and you choose not to meet that need because they haven't asked you, you're trying to hold something over somebody's head, or it's a power trip. Well, I'm not going to give it to them until they ask me. Oh, I know they need it, but I'm not going to do anything until they ask me the most high. When they ask me the most high, I'll I'll bless them and send them on their way. But that's why ministers nitpick scriptures like that. Because they'll tell you that it's for your benefit that you're giving to me and that you're going to be blessed if you give it to me. Not realizing that people that give to you are doing it because that's what they were supposed to do. They're a servant of God. They're giving it to you because they love you. They're giving it to you because they know you're in need. They're giving it to you because they know God. Not not that old aspect. See, because not doing that will put you in a holding pattern. And what we're trying to do is open the door to get out of that holding pattern. That's what today is. That holding pattern is an expectation pattern. I mean, I'm circling like a vulture and waiting on God's blessings to drop down to the ground so I can pounce on it. It puts you in a pattern of expectation. If I give, I should expect to get back or earn points with the big guy. Lord, see, I did that. I did that. You should let me in heaven. And God is saying, which one of it did you do for your gain or which one did you do for my gain? This expectation will have you neglecting and forfeiting your true inheritance. How can we expect great things from God when we don't accept great things for God? I'm almost done. Give me me, me about three minutes and I'm almost done. I want to read this again in Luke chapter. See, this scripture has been taken out of context. I'm telling you. But listen to this. Listen how it sounds. You remember we just read Luke chapter 17. We wrote from read verses, what, 5 through uh, 11 or something like that. But let's look at um, Luke chapter 17, the very first part of it, in 5 and 6. Luke 17, 5 and 6. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if we had faith, the grain of a mustard seed, ye might say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up from the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. What you have to understand is that you shouldn't expect 
anything to happen because you didn't create what's happened. What you have to expect, if you want to expect something, expect that God had already created you to make things happen. You got to see that this scripture is about God giving you something because the teachings that we taught about faith, knowing that faith is a gift from God, that God gave you enough faith to take what he has created in you to move an obstacle. Expect that God gave you the power to move obstacles out of your life. Expect that God can work with what God already gave you to accomplish a difference in the life of those around you. Expect a tree bears good fruit. Expect that God is God all by himself. If you want to expect something, expect that you know that God has placed something on the inside of you called faith, and that faith has some power in it, and that power in the faith that God has given you is the power to say, what God has already placed in me, I'm going to use to move these obstacles out of my way. I'm going to move that thinking out of my way. I'm going to move that attitude out of my way. If I need a job, I'm going to go get a job or try to find one. And if not, then I have to rely on the church to do what God has placed on the inside of them to help me through and help me find a job until I get one. See, we like to look at it, you know what, I made it, so you should be able to make it. Not understanding that there are barriers that's been placed in this world that's been set up not for somebody that loves God, but it's set up for everybody that loves the enemy. And I'm not talking about the enemy just being a demon or Satan. I'm talking about the people that look and walk and breathe like their father. I'm talking about that the world sees more things for gain's sake than God's sake. I'm talking about how can we expect anything less from the world. Oh, this is good. The truth is that door opener to believe in God because he's God not because we're trying to fulfill an unrealistic expectation based on the limits of our emotions or what we experience. Some people even go to church just so people can tell them how nice they look. Some people only give in church so people can come tell them, you did, I got what you gave me. They're there for, they're there for idol worshiper, and them, they're the idol. Expecting God to do something is not the same as for believing God for it. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for his church. You can find that scripture In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I rather would not have you ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the triumph of God, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, we comfort one another with those words. And 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, we have no needs that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
But when they shall say, peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, and travail upon them as a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But we, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We are all children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not asleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet for hope and salvation, hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whatever we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. In many cases, we act as if Partaking in Christ is an investment. It's an investment. But if we really understand that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and with your spirit, which are God's. If it was an investment, then we expect a return for our investment, and we expect that we paid something and want something in return. But if you didn't pay for anything, how can you expect a return on, on, on an investment that you didn't own or you didn't pay for? And since Jesus paid the price, the only one who can expect a return is God. But that return that God expects is a reconciliation back to you. As we read in 1 Thessalonians, and I leave you with this, don't be ignorant. Understand that Jesus is coming back for the church. And it's not talking about a church with a, a cross on it and a name on it. He's coming back for his people. He's coming back for the church. And when we start understanding simple truths about that, we start understanding more about ourselves. We may give a little bit more. We may smile a little bit deeper. We may be willing to partake in some different things that God has already told us that we have. All of those scriptures about move the mountains and, and cast it into the sea is also dealing with something that God has already created. God has already created those things, but he's given you the faith to move these obstacles out of your way to accomplish a mission. Not literally you walk up to a car and say, move out of my way. The car moves out of the way. You sit outside staring at the tree for hours. Fall down, fall down, fall down. I command you to fall down. Lord, why ain't nothing happening? But when you got something in your life, and it's tough. And you feel as if you can't make it through. And you want to break down and cry. And you prayed. And you prayed. And you prayed. Remember, God is saying to you, I've given you a measure of faith. Stand up and use that faith. When the world spits on you and slaps you and beats you down, use the measure of faith. Use that measure of faith that God has given you to be a son and daughter of God. Step one, stop thinking about yourself. Start to think about somebody else. God bless you all. Good night. Or good morning. Thank you for joining us for Sunday Morning Kingdom at Kingdom Life Ministries International, where our pastor is Pastor Mark A. Fields. Send us your comments and prayer requests to kingdomlifeministries.klm at gmail.com. The email address again is kingdomlifeministries.klm 
at gmail.com. Join us for Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at 310-982-4267 on Kingdom Awareness Radio. Your continued support, prayers, and donations are greatly appreciated. And as always, Kingdom First, Kingdom Now, Kingdom Life. God bless you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.